Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, not too bad. How about yourself, Justin? I am doing well. You know, we got a cold front. It's, uh, it was a big change up this morning. Went outside and actually was a little brisk. So it was a, it was a pleasant surprise. We knew it was coming, but uh, kind of forgot. And so, yeah. Anyway, the kiddos are going into the closet, getting their jackets. And uh, yeah, things are changing, man. Summer's coming to a close. They obviously aren't carrying much of your uh, Canadian heritage then if they uh, <laughs> any jackets for this weather. But uh, uh, I know. A they're, big change for all the heat we've had. Yeah, no, they're 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 soft. I know. I gotta throw them in a pile of snow here. Hopefully, one of these winters, and so we don't get too much of that here. Mind you, a few winters ago, we managed to build a snowman in our backyard, so that was pretty cool. Definitely won't be doing that today, but uh, it goes to show you that even Houston can get snow every every few years. It's possible. <laughs> anyway, Matt. So uh, a good you know topic that you brought up, something I think we should probably help uh, the listeners to distinguish is. Uh, not only talking about rheology, but a little bit more specifically related to yield point, low shear viscosity, uh, low end, you know, which obviously relates to low end rheology, and then just kind of differentiating the two and, and why we would focus on one versus the other, uh, and just kind of get a little bit more granular on that part. What do you think? I think it's good. I, I actually had an interesting conversation with somebody the other day, and that's sort of what inspired this, where you know, I think a lot of people, what's the yield point? What's the yield point? And I think understanding the nuances of that versus actual low shear rate viscosity can help kind of clear the air with, with certain conversations. So mm-hmm. that'll be a good topic. Cool. No, I like it. Well, let's start off then. I mean, let's kind of maybe do a refresher and, and outline uh, and, and describe rather what, what is yield point when talking about drilling fluids? So the yield point comes from the Bingham plastic model and we've done episodes. I think we have a tech tip as well on just the rheological models, but Bear in mind that, you know, Bingham Plastic was kind of is an older fluid model specifically that came to be when viscometers only had a 600 and 300 RPM reading. Um, But the idea was that you drew a straight line uh, across with your plastic viscosity being your slope. And then your yield point was your zero intercept. And it was basically the idea of like shear stress versus shear rate at zero shear when the fluid is static, how much viscosity does it have? and it, so it's basically the stress required to, to move the fluid is, is what your yield point is. Um, and when we talk about hole cleaning and that sort of thing and suspension of bayrite and cuttings, normally we're talking about that very low, low end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's yield point in a, in a quick, brief nutshell, but it's something that's on you know every mud report. We still calculate it every day when we're doing a mud check. Um, it's one of the most basic things you think about, but um, you know, it's that number. I would say it's basic, but even more basic is is oftentimes the funnel viscosity, which, you know, we're not here to talk about that, but uh, I mean, why, I guess, I mean, we could, I mean, you know, we mentioned yield point, uh, low shear viscosity, but why are we not, or why are we excluding funnel viscosity out of the equation? So I guess one of the reasons is that, you know, we've talked about in the past how funnel viscosity is, is fairly subjective to temperature and um, a number of other things. It's sort of missing one number 
it's not, you know, you've got continually changing hydrostatic pressure as, as the funnel empties, you have this, that continually being subject to temperature changes and that sort of thing. And so it's something we can trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but, but at the same time, it's not really a reading of what your low shear viscosity is. I could have a contaminated fluid that has a very high funnel vis and very low suspension capabilities. Yeah. So, um, and that's true of yield point as well. Um, but I think, you know, one of the points that's, that's worth making is just, you know, we're not actually making much of a measurement, um, other than time. Uh, whereas at least with dial readings, you're applying a specific amount of shear and taking a measurement. Right. No. And it's something we've, we've, well, we've, we've talked about before, but just in case we had any new listeners are probably saying, well, you're talking about rheology and you didn't even mention funnel viscosity. So I just thought I'd clear that up. Keep us um, honest. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's pivot back to talking about yield point. What, what are some of the issues or maybe some of the things that aren't necessarily considered when talking about yield point? Well, I think, you know, with today's fluids, I mean, and, and I'm talking about, you know, your typical oil-based or water-based mud with, you know, solids, polymer, liquids, what, what have you. Um, for the most part, Herschel Bulkley fluids, they follow the Herschel Bulkley model much better than being in plastic. Um, not being, you know, at high shear, they, they pretty much overlap, but at low shear, there's a huge deviation. Um, and so, uh, you know, knowing that um, yield point actually reads really, really high for low shear readings. Um, so if you were to do graph your, uh, your dial readings on a piece of paper, um, shear stress versus shear rate, and then put on top of that, basically the line you'd extrapolate for, uh, in the Bingham plastic model, the lower shear you get, the more and more off, um, and over, uh, what your dial readings actually are, you're going to get. Um, and so, you know, conversely the power law, which kind of at least starts to drop down is too low. Um, we've talked about that, but power law ultimately is going to arc down and, and, um, at zero shear, it's going to be zero. And we know that's not the case. So Herschel Bulkley is, is just about right. Um, but yield point is one of those, I think we've all sort of gotten used to, even though it's a higher number than it actually would be for most of our fluids. Um, and from a relationship perspective, because the Bingham plastic model is just a straight line, you would say that, okay, if I have a high yield point, the higher the yield point I have, if I go straight up my line, the higher the you know, friction pressure loss I'm going to have on my pump pressures. It's just kind of easy to draw those relationships together as opposed to something like a partial bulkly fluid where the curve kind of, it's linear at one point and drops off at the low end. Okay. No, that These are sense. great things to talk about over an audio conversation, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> all the graphs and all the data points that Matt is describing are certainly, you can picture them in your head, I'm sure of it. But I mean, again, if, if anyone has any questions or if, if, if this is a little bit over, you know, anyone's head, uh, feel free to reach out. I mean, we've, we've got a, uh, an episode talking about a little bit more depth with regards to the different models and stuff like that. So we're, we're you know, Matt's kind of painting a brush over, but there's certainly more information out there if you guys are interested and certainly can hit us up too. Um, okay, so let's let's move into the low shear viscosity side of it because the yield point, like, I mean, it's just a measurement of the high uh, shear viscosity. So let's talk more. Uh, what is low shear viscosity? And again, what, what's why is that so important that is often overlooked? So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're talking about suspension, especially of cuttings, bayrite, that sort of thing. 
we're, we're focused on that area of very, very low shear. So not the area where the pump can get to really easily. Um, and, you know, or when I go to make a connection or, or those kinds of things, what, what sort of suspension am I getting? Um, and yield point, as we mentioned, reads really high at that, you know, the extrapolation results in a fairly high reading. So partial bulkly sort of addresses that with what's called the tau zero, where um, that's basically your zero shear reading under the whole partial bulkly model. The really annoying thing, and there, there was one drilling fluid provider that beat every, beat this to death, like, oh, what's your tau zero? What's your tau zero? The problem is actually calculating the tau zero is a very, very difficult thing. Um, the easiest way with your regular dial readings is more or less kind of a guess and check curve fit. You can do it on an Excel spreadsheet, but you're not going to do it with a pencil and paper. Um, and so it's just sort of frustrating and confusing for people um, when you just say, oh yeah, what's, what's your tau zero, which would basically be your version of the yield point point for the Herschel Bulkley model. So it's a more accurate rendition. Um, and so then folks said, okay, well, to measure low shear rate viscosity, what if we, we'll call it the, the low shear yield point. You've probably heard of this where we do two times our three RPM reading minus our six RPM reading. <clears throat> and that was, that's supposed to be an estimate of your tau zero, um, or that, basically yield point for Herschel Bulkley um, to provide some better reliability. Problem with that. Uh, I think we've talked about this and Baxter emphasizes it. The six and three RPM readings, if you actually fit them to a Herschel Bulkley curve, many times could actually be the same number. Um, you know, could, you could have a 6.1 and a 6.8 um, for your six and three. Most of our viscometers don't actually read that, at least, you know, our field level ones. Plus, within calibration, they can be about plus or minus one at that shear rate. Mm. So why would I double something that could be off by one going <laughs> either way? Like, yeah. why would I do math on that and just kind of make things worse? And uh, with respect to these viscometers, also, we know that kind of they, they're more accurate. Anything below three RPM on a traditional viscometer, I don't trust. Um, but we're pretty comfortable with like a six RPM reading. That's, that's probably pretty reliable. Um, I can accept my plus or minus one error. And so when we talk about low shear rate viscosity, this is sort of where, I don't know if you see in a mud program, it's not uncommon to see, you know, a recommended six RPM reading range mm -hmm. um, as opposed to yield point. Although typically customers, because they're familiar with yield point, they want to see yield point and six RPM reading. But right. we know that the 6 RPM reading is going to be less than the yield point, but they're both arguably reading from the exact same, the calculation zero shear. Um, yeah. It's the same spot on the curve. Um, so anyways, I guess the, the point I was, I was really trying to emphasize here is we could, we could actually calculate a yield point um, for like a cross-linked fluid, which really has very little low shear rate viscosity. Um, but because my calculations are for my 600 and 300 RPM reading, it could be really a really, really high yield point and not offer very good suspension. Right. Um, it's not common, but it's certainly possible with a contaminated fluid or something like that. Um, and so to me, that's one of those, you know, potential gotcha moments um, where folks say, well, what's the yield point? What's the yield point? And it's like, well... Actually, the fluid's contaminated. You have a very high yield point, but the problem is you have your six RPM reading is very, very low. Right. Um, so no, that's that's a great point. And so I guess does when looking at yield point versus six and three RPM. I mean, there's obviously 
there's a cost associated with achieving certain properties, right? So if you're trying to increase your low ends, you know, there's certain products that'll help do that. Um, is there, is there a, is there a point in the well bore where maybe we're not so concerned about the six and three and, and obviously it's density related, um, cause higher the density, obviously you want to make sure that you have that low end shear, uh, or that low end, uh, carrying capacity to hold the bear, right? But, you know, let's say it's just a, you know, a, you know, nine to 10 pound fluid, you're in a vertical well, I mean, is, is, are we focused more on, could we focus more on, on the yield point versus six and three, or like, can you describe maybe whether one is, is more important in certain applications or. I mean, I think that's a good point. It's, you know, how, how complex do you want to get? Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's face it. If we've been drilling in the same area with nine pound mud um, and we know this yield point gets us where we want to go and we're using the same chemicals, it's probably okay to trend. It's, it's more than likely okay to trend that because guess what? It, it sort of implies if you have those higher dial readings, you're probably going to be in the same neighborhood with your six RPM reading without even intentionally doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in, you know, I think that, I think that's why we've been able to get away with yield point for so long is even though we know the numbers not accurate to what the actual zero shear viscosity is, um, it doesn't matter in some ways because if I'm using the same products and I'm kind of in the same area, I can trend my yield point. And even though it's high, as long as it stays in the same place, it's implicitly means the, the actual numbers are probably in the right spot. Right. Um, in the same way that if you think about a funnel, this like, you know, like you said, it's, it's an easy thing. It's one of the most basic. Um, if I keep checking my funnel, this, and I'm pretty much under the same conditions on the same well, um, I can trend it. And if it changes, you know, that might mean something, but it also might mean that if I have a 60 second funnel, this I'm cleaning the hole. Right. Um, because I'll go read my dial readings and they mean this, you know, under consistent conditions. Right. (laughs) So I'm not throwing everything out right there. I think there's just a little bit of there. I don't say a little bit. I think there's a fair amount of confusion when people want to talk about, you know, the yield point or, you know, someone comes and asks for help and I say, well, what's your six RPM reading? Um, and they say, well, the yield point is this. And I'll say, well, that's, that's okay, but I don't know everything about your conditions. I'd really like to know a direct reading on, on what you have, not a mathematical extrapolation. Um, so um, anyways, I, I think, you know, that, that hopefully sort of clears the air on, you know, when we talk about yield point, you're not wrong. You can drill a well with it, obviously. That's fine. Um, yeah. But um, the, the flip side of it is if we're trying to get in the nitty gritty, if we're trying to make sense of some things with respect to our fluid properties, um, it's helpful to recognize that your yield point might not tell you the whole story. Right. No, and that's important to note. And I mean, I think it's a lot of people, especially like you said, if you're in development mode and you're you know, drilling well after well, you, there's certainly some key numbers you can look at to, <laughs> to know if you're on the right track because that number essentially uh then all the rest kind of fall into place assuming no outside uh factors come into play there but yeah i think it you know short and sweet uh but i think it was worth talking about and and hopefully it generates some questions or at least some uh, interest in learning a little bit more and if so we've obviously got stuff out there to learn more and we're always here to answer any questions so matt do you have any closing last words before we close out of this uh 
short and sweet episode? No, I mean, I, I think uh, this is just one of those where I hope, if nothing else, people walk away and say, oh, that's why they do that. Um, right. Sort of feeds a little bit of curiosity when you read a MUD program. Why do we have all these things? Um, but there's obviously a technical reason why you would focus on one versus the other. Um, uh, but I don't think it, it necessarily means you got to change how you do your day job if you're a MUD engineer. Absolutely. Well, it's a good deal. Everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. If you could, if you haven't already, leave a review uh, and comment. Uh, that would be much appreciated. That helps continue to uh, just you know show support and uh, grow the podcast. And uh, if you have any questions, you can hit us up on LinkedIn or you can email us at the flowline podcast at aesfluids.com. With that being said, everyone be safe, stay warm out there, and we'll uh, until next time. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.